Welcome everyone to the last video store clerks podcast with Frank and Scott. The days of blockbuster Hollywood and the independent video store are over. But searching the shelves for that special overlooked movie will never end. The one that really sticks with you forever. Let's drown ourselves in a sea of streaming services and ask the question, what the fuck is that? Does this hold up? And just what the hell is a good movie anyway? I'm Frank Roll. I'm Scott Moran. And we're the last video store clerks. <laughs> I do have a big mirror in the bedroom, but I don't do anything weird in front of it ever. The mamushka? <laughs> it looked kind of Brazilian. This mamushka is for you. <laughs> but it's like they're not Brazilian. I had a lot of time to watch TV. I watched a lot of movies. Not a lot of TV shows. What'd you watch? The Strays on Netflix. What's that? Great. Is it a movie or is it a documentary? It's a movie. I have to ask you now. Sometimes you'll start talking about something, and I'll be like, "What is this? It's a documentary series." And I'll be like, "I don't know." I'm it's not like a three-part. It's like a three-part series. <laughs> Wait, is it or is it a movie? The Strays is a movie. It's a really good movie. Is it like Aristocats? No. <laughs> um. <laughs> is it like Cats? Only they have buttholes. I thought it was gonna be a horror movie, like maybe some strangers or some. Per- There's there were masks involved. I thought. I thought there were. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like a purgy strangers, um, we're going to get you situation. But it was like sleepwalkers. No. No. <laughs> you know, I'm going to say it's about it's about starting over. It's about getting even for the choices you made starting over. Who's in this movie? You know, it's a bunch of it's a bunch of Brits. <laughs> <sighs> it's a bunch of Brits. I did look. So them I up. will probably know who they are. And yeah, they were. It was from a bunch of random stuff. I. I did look at the main, the lead actress she was in. Doctor Who. I thought that that was going to be a thing. Like, I honestly it did. It almost always is. No, she was a, a detective in the Umbrella Umbrella Academy. Oh, okay. I think that's the biggest thing. That the kid I from would... uh, Umbrella Academy was in the last episode of Poker Face I watched. Also, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. She did a great job, though. Uh, Ashley Medeque. Nice pronunciation. Sounded like you practiced that. No, I just looked at it and tried to make it work. I I apologize if that's not how you say it. She did a great job. This movie was stressful. It was a good stressful. And what is it about? I don't. Want, <laughs> Can I, you give me a te- like a, a pitch without spoiling the ending? Like if you were pitching this movie to somebody, so, I mean, because you telling me the name and being like we really the, good and it stressed me it's out. Really I'm not cool. Fucking the opening watch that. is this young woman and she's explaining to someone like she's just not satisfied with life. There's just a ton of disappointment. And then, you know, it's like years later, she's this prominent figure in her neighborhood. Her like, she's just come a long way. Very nice husband. They obviously have a ton of money, kids. Then she's seeing something that's stressing her out. These people are popping up and she's like, oh shit. And you're like, oh, that's someone from her past. And then it all kind of comes to a head. And then it's like one of the best endings that I've seen in a long time. That sounds great. It was fucking amazing. And I didn't expect that much. And again, I thought it was going to be straight horror. Like a straight horror flick, you know? Like, like a thriller? Yes. Thrill- and it was categorized as like a drama and something else. You got to get these categories under control. You yeah. could hire us to do that. <laughs> yeah. That was literally our job for years. Like it made a, se- it, it made a sense. <laughs> it made sense, but it didn't. You know what I mean? And in the way that it looked, it looked like a horror. It was a good movie, though. Watched all the Riley Stearns shorts. Yeah, we... Uh... I, I caught Frank up on one. He was like, I, I watched his short film. And you're right, that The Cub was the best one. The one. It was the most like, oh, you figured it out. You figured out who and you what, are. It was a Vice short? 
Yeah, and uh, I watched an interview with him about it, mm-hmm. and he said that he wanted to make a Raised by Wolves thing, but he thought it was he thought it was hilarious how people like have to read all this shit to raise children now. Mm-hmm. And he's like, people have been raising kids without a book for ten thousand years. <laughs> he's like, I'm pretty sure, like, just fucking raise your kid. You know, like he's like, you don't need all that shit. No, that one was. I was glad it was on YouTube. I searched it. I was like, I bet it's on YouTube. There it was. That was nice. Did you notice who the dad was? He was in. He's in all of them. Is he in all of them? He's the gun salesman in the art of self defense. Yes. Okay. He is. Uh, I think he's the guy who commits suicide in Duel in the video. Okay. And then uh, he was in Faults. I think he was the hotel, hotel. manager, uh, dude. Or yeah, the bellhop that, or something? Somewhere at the hotel. Yeah. that's That feels right. That guy pops up in all his stuff. And then while we have AMC Plus, I found one called Watcher. I don't know. Have you seen that one? Do you know the title? Yeah. The one with... Uh, Micah Monroe? Yeah. Yes. Was it good? I liked it. My mom fucking hated it. Did so she? So I, I kind of had put it at the back of my mind again. My mom likes <laughs> that kind of story. So like, <laughs> I took her advice on that. It was slow. I, it, I wasn't feeling it. And then it picks up towards the end. It's fine. Yeah. All right. I thought it was fine. She did a good job. You know, she's got that real good veiny thing going when she's her stressed. character's stressed. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just that constant it's look. That forehead of, vein. I'm not comfortable right now. You get now. one of those forehead veins too. Yeah, I run a little hot. She's just she's got good sleek veins on her head. Very believable. I mean, you have quite a bit of forehead though. Yeah, I do. You definitely have more than her. Well, yeah, but I mean, here's this, <laughs> she's got this like sleek forehead with these like nice veins. Sorry, it's 2 p.m. I'm at the top of my game. You could give me like, a I could play like a nice gym you. coach who's got some psychological issues at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Like Keegan-Michael Key's gym coach. Yeah. <laughs> I could be that guy. Um, I know that we watched one of the same things this week. Yeah, we both watched Megan. Megan. But this is the only thing I think is worth talking about. Like I said, I'm in progress on everything talked about it i've just been watching shows and uh i've been replaying the last of us too because it makes me feel good it shouldn't <laughs> but that's who i am when life gets dark i get darker <laughs> but megan was great i thoroughly enjoyed Megan. i did too i liked looking at some of the behind the scenes stuff too yeah of the little girl they had do all that stuff and because they put like a thing over her face and then they did a little bit of cgi to that mm-hmm. thing it's creepy. There was a lot of like backward stuff and change frame rates. And I did notice a couple times, and I don't know if it was because it was the unrated version, the frame rate was happening to the actors too. Hmm. And so they were sped up or slowed down a little bit. Okay. And I was like, I didn't see I, that. I don't like that I noticed that. Hmm. I'm down with them making more of them. Chucky franchised the shit out of that. The next one, they're in everyone's home. <laughs> Go big. So many little things. Her attitude. She'd be talking to the little girl and like Megan would just give like a fucking head to like, what, bitch? I almost really say? liked that I knew how it was going to end, too. Like, I saw it 10 minutes in. I was like, oh, boy, this is how it ends. When I paid off like that, I was like, yeah, all right. That's yeah. right. Are you talking about the- Don't ruin it for the dummies. <laughs> 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 no, Olympia and I both looked at each other and said it. <laughs> we were like, hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> well no because there was a lot of that like the obvious uh you know conflict or like oh i'm not gonna believe that story or this is overdone you know it had that i thought the little girl was good she had that kind of like and when she'd get all pissy and she's been in other things i didn't look it up i didn't I look she, it up either but yeah she's been in stuff and i feel like it's horror like she's gonna be that girl yeah she's gonna be like uh 
Thaisa Farminga or what? The girl from American Horror Story. The first one, the second one, the third one. She's in all of them. Murder House? Murder House. The daughter. The daughter. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there's only... I mean, I wasn't talking about Adelaide. (laughs) Yeah, because she's the... She's the uh, nun. Or the... Yeah, the... Yeah, she's in the nun. In the nun. She's a nun in the nun. She's the the good nun. The good nun in the nun. No, 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 uh, that nun scares me. That is a creepy fucking nun. It scared me more in was it Conjuring too? Yeah, with the picture thing. Yeah. Oh Jesus, that was much scarier. Yeah, that goes back to my. Uh, that is like one of the creepier ones out there right now. Do you remember in the beginning of The Witches, the original one, where the girl gets trapped in the painting, and they tell the story, and at the end of it, she's just still in the painting. <laughs> that shit scarred me for life. And don't change Roll Doll books. Don't go editing that shit to cut out offensive language and stuff like that. They're doing that, apparently. His publisher. He's dead. Leave him alone. Don't touch his fucking work. Leave the words alone. Yeah. And don't do like A lot Florida. of it is like him saying people are fat and yeah. stuff like that. And uh, Trying to I Florida. Mean, Florida that shit. Just a public service announcement. Mm-hmm. Some people are fat. It's okay to point it out in a book. <laughs> I know. Uh, I'm reading all the, a lot of the Dr. Seuss books right now. And there's some shit. The Berenstein Bears? There's this fat one. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, and it's like... Yeah, because it's about junk food. And it's like, wow, that's a little intense, Berenstein Bears. I don't know what they're doing to kids these days. I don't have kids. I probably won't have kids. And uh, the main thing that I uh, learned when I was a kid was should try not to get fat. Because in the 80s, they were trying not to let you get fat. Well, no matter how much more PC the kids' stuff is getting, the old stuff is still out there. Because, yeah, I'm reading these books right now, like the older ones, and it's like, oh, yeah, they didn't give a fuck. <laughs> they were just like, oh, you kids are getting fat. No more snacks. We're eating healthy. Let's go talk to the doctor. Well, I mean, that is what happens when you eat too many snacks. Yeah. Or you get the beatus, like Wilfred. Cocoon. I love Cocoon. Steve Gutenberg, man. <laughs> it is Steve Gutenberg's finest work. He showed up at the the little Austin Comic Cons that were in Cedar Park there for a minute, and I was like, "Be kind of cool to get, you know, see Gutenberg. You know, he's been in so many things from my childhood." God, there was some show I was watching, and oh, it was Resident Alien. But like the mayor, who's like this just totally like vanilla guy, <laughs> he's reading the Gutenberg Bible, which is Steve Gutenberg's memoir. <laughs> And I thought it was amazing. What's that weird one where he was the uncle uh, who had cancer and he got over it? Oh, I don't know. Did you ever see that one? No, that's not that... that's not ringing any bells. Oh, that was a crazy one. He he looked like this Fabio dude on a motorcycle after he overcame cancer to get the girl of his dreams. And it had one of those chicks who was in all the 80s and 90s movies. Or the name of that chick who's in it. She was... Oh, you know who it was? Annie McDowell? It was the chick from Lost Boys. Oh, yeah. She's Her. pretty. Yeah, so it I was had a crush on her when I was a little kid. It was a couple years later, you know, like yeah, yeah. later eighties, early nineties. But uh, same face. Oh, Twister. She was in Twister. That's too. what I was trying to there I was like, go. I can picture her in a movie later, and I can't think of what it is, but she's an hysterical woman. And then the- <laughs> <laughs> I did the leap there. I don't even know if I ever knew her name. Good job though. She always did her thing. I love Lost Boys. That's that one of those like uh Weirdly comforting horror movies from the 80s. Did you ever look up Corey Feldman singing music now? And him, him doing a cover of that song? I don't want to see that. No, what you were telling me about his girlfriend playing keyboard. Just... Oh my god, yeah. I've just seen random clips online of him touring. People go to enjoy how not good it is. But they 
you respect him for Sometimes it. you do that. You respect him for he is loving it. Like he is living his it's best like celebrity life. Celebrity friend rock. I used to call it like friend rock. Was like when you're like, oh my friend's band's playing, and they're like, oh, are they good? And you're like, my friend's band's playing. <laughs> it's good to see them. Because I mean, even a saxophone guy from Lost Boys is doing his thing right now. Is he still all beefy or is he a fat guy now? No, man, he's how oh, bummer. He looks fine. It would have been funnier if he was. <laughs> I mean, it's a horrible thing to to wish on someone. No, I mean, uh, no. He, he it looks like he maintained very well. Steroids. Corey Feldman, though, watched <laughs> that video. Didn't maintain so well. Just he. It's weird looking. It's weird looking. You guys want to make Goonies too now? Well, he dresses kind of like Michael Jackson, but sings like rock music, so yes. it makes sense. That makes sense to me. <laughs> Nothing about that is like that's weird. Man, like when know. was the last time Corey Feldman did something and somebody was like, "That's weird." <laughs> Instead of being like, "Well, yeah." Yeah, I mean, people are eating this shit up right now. I'm seeing it everywhere. <laughs> uh, but we watched the art of self-defense today. Riley Stearns, yo. Yeah, which is why Frank brought up we watched all of his shorts. Shorts. So now we've seen the complete Riley Stearns collection. I liked all of them. I'll link all of them in the notes of this podcast if anybody wants to watch them. They're not all amazing. They're Young filmmaker, short films. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is in two of them. And Needle Nose Ned. Yeah, Stephen Tobolowsky. There you go. Hard to say fast. It makes me think of Toblerone. But most people know him <laughs> as the guy who steps in the puddle in Groundhog Day. And now I want chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we have completed the Riley Stearns film collection at this point. Yeah. I liked Cask a lot, though. That was like his just one-shot of her speaking French into the... That one was good. The Cub? The Cub was great. Brisket? Oh, sorry. The Blanket? The Blanket. I know. <laughs> I thought was it looking... was the Brisket. When when Scott pulled it up on the screen, I was like, I swore. I was like, the Brisket? And then I was like, oh, the Blanket. I'm a dumbass. Well, I think they're all about loneliness, and I think everything he makes is about loneliness. The Cub was maybe the least lonely, mm-hmm. but the other three were about lonely people. And, oh, Cask felt lonely. It was just that one thing, and it was just absurd. But uh, as far as, like, all of his characters are super lonely. Because in The Art of Self-Defense, that dude's fucking lonely as shit. There's some cloudiness there. It's it's something I deeply understand. <laughs> I think the best thing I had ever written in a short story that I always think about in my head sometimes, and I th- feel like you'll relate to this, is I wrote, Never Being Alone is the loneliest you can ever be. And I used to think that when I was on tour. You can make that into, like, a nice emo rock song. Well, that was the thing was I'd be on tour with a band and like there'd be 10 dudes in a fucking van together 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. And I would be like, I'm the loneliest I've ever been in my life. <laughs> and I've thought that in relationships. And, uh, and I think, alone, does alone make you uncomfortable? No, no, not at all. Okay, It's what I want the most. I never feel lonely alone. Also, I have dogs. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're never truly alone. Not anymore. I do remember when I first had a puppy, like I was like, I would really just like a day where you weren't around. But over the years now, uh, I think I came home at one point while Kelly still had all the dogs in another city and I was here by myself. And then there was a storm and I couldn't go back. Like it was during the pandemic and we were staying near Houston. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, I need the dogs. (laughs) I need the comfort. Like I was like, I'm really uncomfortable being at home alone with no dog. I could be murdered and I wouldn't know. Because my dog wouldn't be greeting the murderer. Yeah, no companion dog for the murder greet. 
<laughs> no, this was a good one though. His I've not been disappointed by one of his movies. I think this is my favorite. It's a good one. And I was noticing some things about it that were very uh like I'll get into it later when we're talking about it, but I noticed some parallels as far as messaging and stuff, the type of story this was. But this was the most fully formed idea, I think, of the three. There were parts of it to me that felt like like the storyline, the plot where it was kind of like that. 80s me too you know like and it I wasn't felt... just the technology in the movie it was also like late 80s early 90s exactly the tvs the phones nobody not everybody has cell phones i like that did anyone have a cell phone no we're i not, didn't think so no like we're not in that cell phone world when we watch a riley stern's movie and it's all kind of orange you know you've got that real orange brown filter feel <laughs> you know? true yeah those you know you feel like you're in a, a cigarette smoky room but Again, he always does it just a little different. So while it's like that 80s, like, oh, okay. Oh, these guys are the bad guys. Oh, there's like a little bit of an adventure here. But then he's like, oh, but we're going to fucking kill somebody. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like the main complaint I was reading in reviews where they were like, it's like he had an idea and he went right up to a point Mm -hmm. and then stopped. And I was like, I don't think that's what he does. No, not at all. I think that he's a little bit like, it's a wink. I don't read the reviews on the Riley Stern movies. I did this time. And, uh. I did for Duel as well. It seemed like people who were like, like their complaint was like, oh, I wanted a little more of that. I think to him, it's kind of, oh, you get it. (laughs) If you don't get it. You get what I'm saying. Yeah. If you don't get it, then fuck off. You really got that in a short film. And he always gets these performers, you know, like these people that he finds. The sensei is Pollock's Troy. (laughs) He was also in Jurassic Park 3. Um, Oh, yeah. But Fuck, I, yeah. But I figured out, you know, his. There's only so many faces. What was happening to me was Ghost Ship 2002. The guy who plays the bad guy in that, who's also a detective in Dexter. To yes. me, the guy from uh, was he also in Wrong Turn? I think so. Yes. Okay. He's he the main character in Wrong Turn because wait, Sisto wait. was also in that. And that wasn't. But see, these him and uh, Alessandro Nivola. I always think Ghost Ship guy is Jurassic Park three guy, fucking egg thief. Anyway, um, <laughs> but no, I such a shit in this movie, you know, winding up in the hospital after being beaten by a group of leather clad assailants on motorcycles. Timid accountant Casey is afraid to go out walking home after filling out the paperwork to buy a gun. He wanders into a karate dojo and becomes enamored with the sensei's charisma. I mean, the man has a way about him. He uses karate as words. The, did you did you have any uh, foot fist way? parallels here (laughs) maybe a little bit that wasn't what i was going to parallel but (laughs) what sidekicks (laughs) close though (laughs) the school is comprised of all male students and a single female anna who teaches the children's class despite his weaknesses sensei is impressed by casey's determination and invites him to join the exclusive night class on sensei's advice he overcompensates for his lack of masculinity in his day-to-day life, listening to grindcore, looking at boobs at work, and punching his boss in the throat for inviting him to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> when Sensei claims to have found one of the men that put Casey in the hospital, he pushes him into retaliating. Casey realizes the dude is innocent and that his own mugging was carried out by his classmates. Returning home to find his wiener dog punched to death, he takes action to uncover the extent of Sensei's manipulation and fraternity of violence, ultimately challenging him to a fight to the death. 
The Art of Self-Defense was, of course, written and directed by Riley Stearns and stars Jesse Eisenberg as Casey, Imogen Poots as Anna, and Alessandro Nivola as Sensei. The film also features Steve Tirada as Thomas, David Zellner as Henry, and Philip Andre Botello as Kenneth, all of whom play other students at the dojo. The film also features a quick cameo by the amazing Leland Orser, who played the lead in Stearns' first feature film, Faults. He's amazing. <laughs> the film premiered at South by Southwest in March of 2019 and had a wide theatrical release in July of the same year. It was originally announced in 2017 that the part of Anna would be played by Stearns' then-wife, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, but after their separation later that year, the part was given to Poots. Poots. Poots! I like saying Poots. poots. I, I think Imogen Poots is a perfect substitute if he wrote the part for her. She was awesome. She is great in everything. Did ever- also, this is like, uh, well, it's not a Vivarium reunion, but it's uh, right after this, they did Vivarium together. I was going to bring that. Was there anything else they did together? I didn't have time to see, but I knew that there were these two. I don't know. But still, there was two I think I'm getting things crossed in my head. For a second, I was like, well, they were in Green Room together, but that was Anton Yuckton. Was it? It could have been Jesse Eisenberg, though, easily. Which means it also could have been Michael Sarah. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I just dis- strongly disagree there. <laughs> Which also means I think there's the been... levels is like uh, that's the the stepping stones right there is you have Michael Sarah, Jesse Eisenberg, Anton Yuckton, a little higher up on the staircase. Yeah, God rest his soul. So crazy. <sighs> anyway, yeah, that was a sad story. I would have really liked to see how that guy's career turned out. Some of the dialogue in this, some of the words that were said, man. You just... could see between, so this was before Duel, and then Faults didn't have this sort of dialogue no. exchanges. Duel had it maybe a little too much, the the way the dialogue bounced. And I liked that Sensei had a different way of talking than everyone else. <laughs> he, did. <laughs> he did. All of them did. Um, when Anna's in the studio and she's like, <laughs> he is a mouse. I'm a python. <laughs> and then knocks the shit out of a little kid. Like, no holding back. I love the rules. I was like, this is brutal. Oh, on like the 10, well, the 11. The 11 changes a couple times. Does like he swap, He seems to swap it out to point at it. <laughs> like he's pre-prepared the thing. Cause at one point it says, uh, Guns are for pussies. Mm-hmm. And then they switched it to something else, and it was a completely different rule. But it was another gun reference? Yeah, because it was it like, always stuck with gun. It was hanging there at the bottom of it. Well, but I'm sure it was added after the unfortunate accident of the master. I wish I had fucking written that story word for word. That was hilarious. <laughs> it was on a peaceful hike. Also, it was mistaken by, as a bird for a bird. That picture is apparently of an actual like karate grandmaster. Did he really make his own uh, belt out of all the colors? I I don't know how any of that works. (laughs) I took karate when I was in third grade from like a guy who was in the army, you know, who opened a dojo in West Virginia. So it was not good. I picture when you say like, yeah, this ex-army dude opens a dojo in West Virginia. I picture the guy who lifts shit with his nuts and men who stare at goats. The one with the flying knife technique. He was a little more like dad like than that, you know? (laughs) But it was clear that, like, he was teaching you army karate. Okay. He stressed that it was about teaching discipline, not teaching people how to fight. And they were like, well, so I'm not learning karate. (laughs) Imogen. Like, I knew that the biker gang was going to be somebody who played into it. See, I saw that really early. I wasn't disappointed that I knew. No, that's part of what's taking me to the, like, 80s action thing. You know what I mean? Is like, yeah, that's, that's hardcore. Well, I knew it was her standing there. With the... 
Well, you were like, that's clearly a woman. Yeah, yeah. As soon as she he got there and she was like, just in context, I was like, I see where this is going. Did you feel like uh, when he wanted to wear his yellow belt all the time, did that ever make you think about like playing Ninja Turtles when you were a kid? <laughs> when he gets the other belt in all the colors for everyone in the class and they're real excited about it and they're like, I can wear it all the time. I thought about me wanting to dress like a Ghostbuster and go to school, you mm -hmm. know? Well, I just love how this whole karate scene where these socially awkward individuals who all had the same kind of tics, they weren't the type to start a conversation, but they could easily hold a conversation with one another. They were all of very similar personalities. I think that they all got, despite I mean, the, the like toxicity of the guy giving... I mean, in a sense, they were recruited. I mean, they were recruited. Yeah, they were recruited. And it was for this guy's gain. There was an agenda the whole time. God, how'd you like that video camera? <laughs> oh, when he busted out that big-ass fucking granddad video yeah, camera. Yeah, the, the shoulder suitcase. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and I mean, I'm glad you like the belt. Not only does it represent my black belt in karate, but it also helped keep my pants on. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a regular-ass belt, too. Yeah. And then when he has the brown one, you're like, also a regular, regular belt. But it's like, hey, man, I really appreciate you getting me this belt. Speaking of the camera technology, though, the passive-aggressive answering machine. Yes. God, that was really funny. Broken tape. And then his TV at the house. You know, I was like, man, why does this guy have such an old TV? But then I'm like, well, look at his voice. Look at his answering machine. You only have one message. <laughs> no one else left you a message. Uh, what was it with when he uh, photocopied the boobs out of that book? Yeah. And then he went home and he covered all of them but one to masturbate. This is my kind of thing. He's like, I want those. <laughs> you can't have the other ones interfere with I think those. it was the exact same picture he was looking at at work later. Before he throat punches the boss? Yes. <laughs> and, and that was probably my favorite scene in the whole movie. I loved that. I love you could see it coming from the second he stands up, he gets the form. Did you notice his back went straight and you see the arms starting to move? I was like, oh, he's gonna fucking get him. <laughs> he's gonna <laughs> fucking get him. No, I will not come to dinner at your house. And the boss was just trying to be his friend the whole time. I know that was the nicest boss. And then night class, dude. How about the introduction to night class? Extremely metal. <laughs> and then at the end it got really homoerotic. Yes. And they all started like getting naked and rubbing each other. I was like, what the fuck kind of cooldown is that? See, that's where my parallel is. I think that this movie says the same thing as Fight Club in every way. It just says it a little different. Because Fight Club is very much about giving away all of your masculinity will make you this kind of unhappy and unfulfilled. But then taking it to this other extreme, it's probably not good either. And there were even scenes that I felt like paralleled that where there was the guy who shows up to the night class and he's not supposed to. But he thought he was going to get promoted to the night class. And then he breaks his arm. And then later, with his inevitable suicide, which I was like, I have a feeling about this. Yeah. It, it felt like the Bob part of Fight Club, where like Bob dies and they're like chanting his name and it gets out of control. Did you notice how his cast was blue? Like the belt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then that, why the fuck does that dojo have an incinerator in the in the other room? It was like a crematorium. That's what it I'm saying. It had the conveyor belt and everything. Yeah, it was a full on it was a full on burn it was center. Because he was he was in business. 
Yeah. He had his business model figured out. And he knew exactly well. what he needed in in house. He just needed a good accountant. I'd say early nineties, wouldn't you? I would say early now. I would say early because definitely not late eighties. And I, I think there's enough there to say early nineties because you've still got some spillover from the eighties happening. Poor little dog. It's like his only friend, and then he treats it like shit, and then starts listening to grindcore. Yeah, I was gonna say Riley Stearns got in Full of Hell one more time. There were three Full of Hell songs, and there was a Thou song as well. That was a band I'd really like. That's what I had noticed was Emma Ruth Rundle had uh, scored that last short film, that okay. the one he did during the pandemic. and uh, The Blanket. Yeah, she did an album with Thou. So they must all be tied in together. They stay in touch. It's a good way to network. Good t-shirts all around. And he was at the music store and he the one metal CD... So he must have been like a, like a <laughs> one and, metal CD there. And it's yeah, there was, so I'm like, oh, this is like the Barnes and Noble used CDs. But <laughs> <laughs> the metalheads don't sell their shit. Yeah. I love that he listened to adult contemporary. <laughs> and then he was like, is that like hard rock? You don't hurt your wrist playing soft rock. <laughs> or whatever he says. <laughs> when Thomas is trying to give him the excuse. There's nothing bad about these movies. They're just all, they're their own kind of quality. They're good. This one is the most rewatchable. Yeah. I would like to own this movie. I very much enjoyed the, just the pace of the story. But as soon as I started noticing the Fight Club parallels, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this is just a more sort of an updated one. But he wasn't saying anything necessarily heavy handed about masculinity being wrong because i think at the end of the movie he learns how to find a balance between who he was and his vengefulness kicked in. <laughs> did you notice at one point he walks into the dojo i think it's when he confronts uh anna about the dog killing her revenge speech to the kids i loved it so much like the kids think he was the only one concerned about what was happening in front of kids he for sure of, was out of anybody else at that dojo i like when she chokes that kid out and she's like Tap or take a nap. One of the other favorite lines from Sensei, her being a woman will prevent her from being a man. <laughs> <laughs> it's like riding a tandem bicycle or having sex. <laughs> and who knows how many different bits. So he found the tapes. I knew it. There was going to be like, instead of faces of death, it was faces of fists. Like he was selling them on the internet. Just like you would faces of death at that time in the 90s. And if you looked when they were first on the side of the TV, it was like faces of. And it's like oh, faces of There's certain people like your mind just goes to faces of death. Yeah, it was the metalheads that grew up in the fucking <laughs> 90s. We were like, we were listen to Bruharia and fucking watch these faces of death. Dude, there was that one blockbuster on Burn It that had a faces of death VHS that you could rent. Yeah, that is so weird that that was out of Blockbuster. They didn't have them at the other Blockbusters that I knew of. But amen for, for 90s lack of censorship on shit. You know? Yeah, it was right there in the weird documentaries in the back. Yeah, but there was a lot of like weird little homoerotic things that would come in. Anytime you tell a story about masculinity like this and Dude. it coming up, like it always gets kind of kind of homo when blue belt first comes up to him casey sitting on the bench or even when he helps him tie the belt you yeah have to start from the front <laughs> yeah i think that he saw those things because that's like the the fucking scene in fight club where they're in the bathtub like he's in the bathtub and he's sitting next to him while he's taking a bath and everything's gross and disgusting in mm -hmm. there and you're just like this is so weird but that kind of like when you overdo masculinity that extreme it always gets to that point where you're like Meh. well did you notice that when he's in Sensei's office digging through the desk, the gift card's right there in the drawer? What was the gift card for? Uh, I meant to place. like go back. And... It was like a Mexican food place, like a Tex-Mex place. Something like it was something to 
but because he'd mentioned it once, then we then there was like another reference to it. Then when he finally goes to Sensei's office and he's looking through the drawer, the gift card is right there in the lower right corner of the screen oh, okay. in the drawer. I was like, oh, <laughs> Sensei held on to the gift card that they stole from him. But I I think that gift card got two or three references in the movie. What else is in there? There was oh, little bag of meth or coke. It was probably coke. Yeah, I mean coke would be more in line time period wise. I would say it's probably Coke. Yeah, if it was. But it's just, it was the it was kind of clear. I think that kind of, I mean, we all knew dudes like that guy that were very like, I've figured it out. I'm going to be a dick all the time. <laughs> you know? And you're like, well, that guy's on cocaine. The hell of a drug. You know, I use it like coffee. <laughs> just a little toot, toot. Well, I mean, hey, Oregon right now, can't you get the Coca-Cola with the Coke in it again? In Oregon? Yeah. Let's go. Makes my teeth feel good. <laughs> Let's go to the soda fountain again. <laughs> it's like the fifth time, man. I know, just one more time. <laughs> Give me one more soda. Give me one more soda. Makes me clean the house. <laughs> I also think that this movie was like the Karate Kid's Antichrist cousin. Yes. It even had dirt bikes, man. Yeah, what if uh, your teacher ended up being this guy? That's what I'm saying. It goes an extra step further. It's a little extra shady. Dude's a little more intense. Of course, I mean, there's murder involved. I mean... Like an adult version of the Karate Kid. Yeah, the Cobra Kai kids weren't out there fucking straight killing people in the streets. These these guys are out assaulting people, sometimes murdering them. All over getting them to join for a karate class? How much is how much is his membership? Yeah, and that's where the like <laughs> Project Mayhem thing kicked in. You know when they like rough that guy up and take his ID and they're like, you're going to be a veterinarian. Brandy yeah. Brandy K. Hassel. Mm-hmm. We're going to check on you, and if you're not in school... Yeah, and I felt like that was kind of their their motive for it was the same kind of thing. This person isn't going to amount to anything. This will set them off in a better direction. But maybe not the way to go about it. I would like them to reset the debt record, though. If you want to <laughs> blow up all the the credit card companies. Just saying. I'm, uh, I'm not going to be mad. He makes a good film, man. Everything falls into place at the end on this one. It really did more so than faults was pretty nice and circular, mm-hmm. but you were left with a little bit more of like, how did that happen? Yeah, you know? this one, uh, this one was great, and it's like I just love to think that, like, they get away with it. The finger, the one finger punch thing <laughs> to cover the bullet hole was so funny, and it made me wonder if that was what had happened to the grandmaster. Oh, oh, he never said that he taught him. Yeah, he said he didn't. Well. He said he didn't. Yeah, that it like died with him. Yeah. And he said that he was killed by a gunshot wound. But maybe missed opportunity. But at the same time, just the fact that the circularness of like he was also killed with a gun. Yeah. And then that's how he covered it. I just appreciate it because I didn't see it coming. I, I wanted to think that he stuck his finger in the hole. Oh, I think he did. I think, he, yeah. No, no, most definitely. But before it even happened, I didn't see that that coming. I, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I didn't just expect it. But in a sense, it's like sometimes that's just what you want in a movie. Like, hey, if the, if they would if the character just would have done this, we could have been done like twenty minutes ago. This was probably the longest of his and felt shorter to me. This was an hour and forty four minutes, and the other two ran just a tight hour and a half. But even with the extra fifteen minutes, like I was like, ah, oh, that was that was a perfect movie. It was good, like perfect length. Didn't have any slow moments. My last note was great fucking movies. Holy shit. Yeah. Big, <laughs> I'm, I'm a big fan. Yeah. I, wa- I want him to make... Uh, I want to see what he makes next, too, because if this was what he made, and then he made Duel with like limited things during the pandemic, 
where he had to be kind of like. Well, I was going to say. Because Duel has less people in it. So I was going to say, there's something. Oh, TV series. Never mind. I'd saw I'd seen something on there without a picture, and I was like, I think there's an upcoming project, according to IMDb, but there's not. He did a TV series in 2022, but I'm like, well, what's that? Well, I mean, if we follow suit, we'll know South by Southwest if we get one this year. If not, <laughs> maybe South by Southwest another year. Isn't it happening this year? It's not that South by Southwest happening is going to make Riley Stearns make a movie, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I gotcha. I yeah. gotcha. But if he premieres one, it will most likely be during South by Southwest. I'm sure you would hear that he was making a movie first. Yeah, I'm ready for the next one. And after our next movie, I think I might be ready to move on from AMC+. I think Watcher may have been my last one outside of this next next one we're going to do. Yeah, I'm going to watch Near Dark before I cancel. That one, too. Okay, thank you. And then... Uh, I don't think I would have forgot, but yes. But I, I think I, I, have, I have some movies after the next one that are going to be... Sort of uh, weird and off the beaten path. I've showed you trailers for them already, but yeah, you have too many things in your head, so you probably don't remember. Yeah, and my shoulder hurts. Well, that's just an old man gripe. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, we're going to watch Skinamarink. Which you do. Reading about it, uh, people could not be more polarized about that. In the sense that about 20% of people like it, and the rest fucking hate this movie. Yes! But... Uh, I'm interested in seeing if it's scary at all. I'll, hopefully I get scared. I'm expecting to get scared, so hopefully I get scared. This one freaked me out in the theater when I saw the preview in the theater. In a theater, it gave me some goosebumps. So I'm hoping it has some jumps and at least gets... I bet it has no jumps. I bet it's really goddamn slow mm. and quiet and has no story. Lots That's my uh, projection. <laughs> Lots of breathing. <laughs> it is a pretty fucked up looking house thanks everyone for joining us for the last video store clerks podcast be sure to leave a rating and subscribe you can find us on twitter at last clerks instagram at the last video store clerks and you can find scott at dispatches from the pit.com